God gives us so much. Doesn't require anything. That's the incredible thing about his love is his love is one-sided. That's not what he ultimately wants. He wants a two-sided love, just as a husband and wife do, and we've mentioned this many times. In fact, the husband and wife is the picture of us in Christ, of undivided, devotional, just the end of you, just laying your life down. Jesus said the greatest love is one to lay their life down for another. That's true love. Not requiring any love back, but just giving yourself freely and fully. That's true love. And that's God's love. God is love. And His love is sent towards us unconditionally and not requiring us to love Him back. He loves you so much, as we know, but it needs to be said that He loved the world so much that He gave His only Son to die for you. We can never get tired of the simplicity of the gospel message. That's how much Jesus loves us. But, but when we choose to love him back, when we choose to make him, he's the groom waiting. He is already, he's dressed, he's got his best tux on, and he's waiting. But when we, if, if we're willing, if we are willing He'll dress you in white and make you his bride and have a relationship with you. And that's what I want to get into today. Just last week, I was talking about how Paul went through so many trials and tribulations, and yet somehow he found a joy down deep inside of him. Somehow, when he was in prison, remember, that he found this joy inside of him. He was, being, he was beaten and, and put in prison and put in the deepest prison because I thought he might escape, which he did. And he found this joy, this place in God inside of him. And it wasn't in his body because his body <laughs> showed the signs of, if you were to judge his situation and judge his body, you would say that God had abandoned him, that God had forsaken him, and yet what he had encountered in God and what he found, the key he found, is that what Jesus said, don't be worried about what they can do to the body and be worried about what offends God, the soul, the soul between you and God. I'm paraphrasing a couple translations. The place inside you, that's the place that the devil cannot touch he can touch the body. The world touches the body. We live in a, in a fallen state. God didn't design this world this way, but that's the result of sin. And this world's going to be wrapped up and done soon. Come on, who, who's thankful that this place will be wrapped up soon and that he's going to bring us into glory and put us in a new body that it will never get sick, never get tired, never grow weary. I'm thankful for that joy. In fact, that's a hope... That's a hope that we're supposed to lean upon. We're supposed to hope. Paul says, I, I want to be with him so bad. The only reason I'm staying here is because there's a message that God put inside me and I need to get it out. I need to spread the good news to as many as possible. But if it weren't for that, I don't want to be in this place. I just want to be in my new glorified state with Christ. But what he found here on this earth is what I want to talk to you about. It's what we need to find. We absolutely have to find this place in God. 
There was a church shooting last week. Ironically, on the day, there was a shooting. The day that we spoke this message, that things would come. Little church, little nowhere. There has to be a security outside of your body. It's outside of your bank account. It's outside of the securities of this earth because there's nothing secure here. But there is a security in Christ that's eternal. It cannot be touched. They couldn't get to Paul. They tried, didn't they? They tried to mock him. They tried to abuse him. I mean, the devil shipwrecked him and ostracized him and separated him and did all these things and could not get him to lose his passion for the Lord. He could not be touched. There was a place inside of him that could not be touched. And I'm a broken record because we live in good times and I don't mention that church to be morbid, but as good of times as we live in, a moment can change just like that. In a church, praising God, the moments can change in your life instantaneously. And if you were to look in the natural, you would say, where's your God? That's what the world would say, where's your God? But those souls are seated with Christ for eternity at this very moment. The reality is that we don't get in the natural was they were already seated with him in the body. The body just is no more, but the spirit is just continuing on what it was already sealed with in Christ. We need to get that reality now. We need to get it, get it, get it down deep inside of us. There's a place in God, and we call it a secret place. In the book of Psalms, chapter 91 It says, those who live, verse 1, those who live in the shelter. And this word shelter, in the New King James, you could pull it up. It says, the secret place. Those who dwell, he who dwells and she who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Did you know that there was a secret place, that God has a secret hideout? God's got a secret hiding place for you. Did you know that? This is one of the most common psalms of all time, one of the most common scriptures of all time. And, you know, the problem with being a Christian for uh, uh, too long is we get too used to things. We get too just comfortable with John 3.16. That's why I had to state it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, but do you realize the power? Maybe you know the scripture, but have you forgotten the power to it? There is a secret place in God. There's a place, a hiding place in him. And it says, you can put it back on the NLT. It says that when you dwell in the secret place, in the shelter, in this covering, the word means to cover. It means a covering. It means a hiding place. It means protection, a secret place. It says that When you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you will find rest, or you may, in your translation, might be abide, which the word abide means to remain, to stay, or to rest. You will find a rest. There's a rest 
as we talked about last week, that Paul found there was a rest in him that's internal. Because if you looked at his body, it certainly didn't, didn't look rested. He was forced into rest by chains and by beatings and by a prison cell. And that's not very restful, is it? But there was a rest in his spirit just that caused him to sing praises and sing songs to God and just be thankful for God that he could be part of God's kingdom and get to bring God's glory and his message to that village. And if it took a beating, then so be it. There is a place in God. There's a rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He said, this I declare about the Lord. He alone. Come on, everybody say it out loud. He alone. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. Now, I'm not going to re-preach last week's sermon, but safety does not mean your physical body. Safety does not mean your physical body. Many, many, many times, and every Christian in here can testify that God has protected you physically, hasn't he? Who's been protected physically by God? Sometimes, though, the doors on that church were allowed to be open. God is not unaware. We don't understand, and I can't ever stress that enough that we don't understand. I don't understand either, but the doors were open, and the physical life was gone. The physical body was gone. But was there a safety still? Is there still a safety you cannot deny its safety because they could only take the body. The gunmen could only take their bodies. Do you get this truth? He can only take the body. It's when we give over our souls, when our souls follow our bodies that we're giving over, we're giving over. That's when we start stepping out of the safety, when we start doing what our body wants, what your mind wants. But the body can be taken if you are living separate, if you are calling on Christ, if he's your dwelling place, if he's your secret place, they can take the body, but they cannot take you. There is a place we need to get this settled in God now because you're going to grow old. <laughs> you're going to get sick. We're supposed to get old. In this fallen state, that's what's supposed to happen because he wants us to be with him. The body's supposed to die eventually, but the spirit in you cannot be touched. There's a place of safety, and it's your spirit that is in safety. Does that mean that I'm not going to pray for physical safety? Does that mean we're not going to pray? <laughs> Does that mean, as I was just telling Tony beforehand, someone walks in those doors, you better believe I'm going to stand here and say, in the name of Jesus, that gun's not going to fire. Then he's going to stand up and shoot him. But nonetheless, I'm still going to stand and pray. There's a place of safety in God, and I will trust Him. It says in verse 4, He will cover you with His feathers. Anybody seen the feathers of God before? 
That's not a trick question. I haven't. So what is he talking about? It's a spiritual covering. It's in the unseen realm. The place that he's covering is the unseen. And many times it crosses over to the physical until for whatever reason, he's allowed it to cross over. It is, that's outside of our realm of understanding. But he told Paul, he said, I'm going to teach him. <laughs> Don't hear this. This is not the prophecy you want to hear. Gives him his ministry and says, I'm going to teach him how much he's going to suffer for my sake. Paul's like, what about Psalm 91? Exactly, what about it? He said, I'll be with you. Don't worry, I'm not going to leave you. They may touch the body, but they can't touch you. I'll protect you. But if we don't get our eyes off of this physical realm, and, and, and I'm, I'm talking harsh, let's just bring it home and make it reality right here in Poughkeepsie, New York. When the things in your life... Not necessarily the beatings, and we don't, as I said, we don't necessarily have that as much. Although I said that last week, and then that happened the very day. I just said we don't really see that in this country, and on the day of, it happened. So that can change in a moment. But nonetheless, just in your life, the things around your life, the stresses of life, the pressures, the pulls, the things trying to get to your body... And the key is to get to your, the mind, the place outside of God, to get to that, that, that flesh part of you that just wants this world, still wanting this world and wants security in this place and wants peace in this place. But those things are unsecure. That's, that's sand. The only rock, build your house upon the rock, not the sand, is Jesus Christ. If you try to build and you try to prepare and you try to be secure in this earth, you're going to find yourself when the floods come on sand. But if you put your rock, if you put your foundation down on the rock, Jesus Christ, when the floods come, which they will, you will maybe lose everything, but you will find yourself still attached to him. And that's all that matters. Because he said, I will cover you with my feathers. I will shelter you with my wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Verse 14, the Lord says, I will rescue those. You can go and read this psalm. Many of you already have it memorized. Go and encourage you that don't know Psalm 91. Go read the whole thing today. Just don't have the time to preach every verse, but the whole entire chapter is incredible. It's such a promise to us. And it carries over New Testament, Jesus-believing Christians. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. Who did the Lord say he would rescue? Those who love him. The Lord will rescue those who love him. See, because the same exact thing can happen to someone and the same exact thing can happen to you, but there is a peace there's a joy inside of you that the world does not have, that they can. You're not special except that you have Christ. You're not better than them. They just don't yet see what you know. And it's, the Lord says, those who love me, those who trust in my name, I will protect those who trust in 
my name. So Psalm 91's covering is for, first of all, is not necessarily the physical body. Otherwise, Paul's story doesn't make sense. His whole story is contradictory to this chapter. But if you look at it in a spiritual sense and you see that his spirit man just could not be touched, the guy's still preaching, the guy's still singing, the guy's still praising God no matter what comes. At the very end of Acts, as if the guy hasn't been through enough, they're just trying to warm themselves by a fire and a snake jumps out and bites him on the hand. Now that time, it actually physically, he just shook off the snake and they watched him waiting for him to die. That particular day, it didn't cross over to his physical. Although he still felt the bite. <laughs> There's still a real snake and a real bite. Just didn't cross over to the physical. The point is... That there's a spiritual place, there's a place that we need to have settled in us. Because if we don't get this settled, whenever any little thing happens, rocks your boat, we, we, we get unsure of God and what God's doing, what God's up to and what's going on. And we need to be secure in the spirit man. Sometimes, it's not a lack of faith, sometimes your bank account is going to drain. Sometimes it's going to be there, sometimes it's not. It's not God abandoning you. It's the fallen state we're living in. Sometimes sicknesses come and sometimes they don't. Sometimes we pray and they leave in the physical and sometimes we die. Elisha prayed over many and healed the sick and yet he died of a sickness. Because the body is just a body. Did he really die? He didn't really die. I like that smile. I like that smirk. He didn't really die. I will protect those. We need to know that we know that we know. It doesn't matter. You cannot look at the natural. You cannot look at your natural surroundings. You cannot look at the physical. You cannot look at what's happening around you because if you do, the devil, that's his hook. That's what he'll try to get you, try to get you out. It's, the, the gospel is, is Christ. It's his message, and it's our belief. It's those two things linked. That's it. It's our faith and his promises. And if he can get you to, if he can rock your faith because of what you're seeing, because of, of the, the physical things, the things in our mind, the things in our soul, the things weigh us down and the stresses and the cares of this life, if he can get you into that place and get you out of faith, well, that's the only thing linking us back to Christ. Christ has done his part. His love is complete. It's our faith in him. It's our complete and total trust. Total trust. Total trust. Not partial. Not sometimes I trust you when things are good, but when things are bad, then I wonder. It's total trust. And that place of total trust, total faith, that's what he's trying to shake. Come on. Let's just declare it out loud right now. I will not be shaken. Come on, say it out loud. I want you to say this. Nobody wants to say this. Ready? Take the body. But you can't take my spirit. Come on, we have, Jesus told us, he said, why are you even thinking about this life? Why are you storing up here? 
don't you realize that, I'm going to paraphrase, you know the scriptures, moth and rust destroy things here. They don't last. But if you put it into my kingdom, the moth and the rust cannot destroy. The thieves, they break in and steal here. But if you put it into my kingdom, if you realize that it's a spiritual thing and not a physical thing that I want you to get, that I want you to live for, that I want you to hold on to, the thief that can break in and steal here cannot break in and steal there. It's a spiritual place that we need to get to in Christ. When you cross over, you'll be there. Come on, let's just say that out loud. One day, I'll be there. That's a fact, Jack. <laughs> but who wants to live there right now? I don't want to be shaken in this life. I know. I got my hope in eternity, and that's our hope in Christ. But I don't want to live this life at every little twist and turn, wondering and this way and that way, and my faith constantly shaken. And if we don't understand, see, that's what the devil does. It's the lack of understanding. It's the lack of knowledge why God's people perish. It's not that, it's not that the truth is, is, is so hidden to the Christian that it cannot be found. It's just that the devil has veiled it. That's what the Bible says. He's put a veil. And as we come into Christ, the veil starts coming off. But the less we are around him and the more we're still around the old selves and around the world and around the television and around the voices of our families and friends, the more the veil is still there. And he will keep these truths hidden from you. And then all of a sudden, your life gets a wallop and you don't know what's going on. But yet, if you knew Christ and you knew the Word and you knew Paul, people don't like Paul. People think maybe Paul had missed it. Paul got into sin. <laughs> Where's his faith? Come on, give me a break. Give me a break. Come on, say it out loud. Give me a break. <laughs> God was with this guy, man. God was with him and he wants to be with you too. He came in here with you. And he'll stay with you till the very end. But he doesn't force us, does he? We need a secret hiding spot, a place we can run when trouble comes. Doesn't mean trouble won't come. It just means we need a place that we can get inside. We need to get into the place of eternal protection, eternal safety. We can read in Psalm chapter 61, verse 1, he said, Oh God, Listen to my cry, hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me, lead me to the towering rock of safety. Verse 3, for you are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. In Christ, the enemy cannot get to you. He cannot get to you. Verse 4, let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe. Come on, everybody, out loud. Safe. Where is the safety in God? In Him, in His sanctuary. Where is His sanctuary? Is it this building? Is it this church? We call it that. And that's okay. This is the physical representation of the spiritual thing that's inside you. The sanctuary was in a building, and now it's in your heart need to go down into that heart place, the place that you invited him into, and go in there and be with him. You need to get in there 
when it starts coming at your mind, when the things of life start coming at your mind, and they are contrary to the word of God, you need to get down into that place. You need to go hide in his sanctuary because there's safety there beneath the shelter of your wings. Now, what is this wings thing that we see in Psalm 91 and here in Psalm 61 again? Because in the physical tabernacle, in the physical temple, in the most, I mentioned it last week, where Jesus tore the veil when the cross was finished, when he breathed his last, and the earthquake shook the earth because Jesus had just done something physically that the world was seeing, but supernaturally in the spiritual realm, something else was happening, and the veil was torn, and the most holies of holies, the place of God's presence was torn and open to you through Christ's blood. And when that happened, you were able to go in. Well, in that room that no one else was allowed before Christ's blood, but you are allowed now through the blood of Christ, through the entrance of Christ, through his love, through his sacrifice. And in that room was the law, was the manna, was Aaron's staff. It was inside of the Ark of the Covenant. And over the Ark, they had crafted angels, and they covered. And this place that no flesh was allowed to be in, no, no flesh could touch this. In fact, they were moving the ark. You know the story. A man touched the ark who wasn't allowed to touch it, and he died just like that. Also, there was a foreign enemy that took the ark at one point, and they all start getting sick because they were touching something God's holy and he can't be around unholy. The only reason you can be around God is not because you're good, not because you're good looking. It's because God's good, because his grace is good, because his love and because his mercy and because of the blood. That's the only thing that gives you entrance. Without that, the flesh cannot be around God. So then when we come to Christ... I don't, this is a different sermon, so I don't want to preach it, but I'm going to state it. You come to Christ because of him, but then he gets all that flesh out of you, doesn't he? That's a different sermon. He gets that flesh out of you because that can't be around his presence, and he's calling you into his presence, so every time you come in, he's going to shed a little bit more of the old you off. But inside this place, which is now inside of our hearts, the law, the Ten Commandments were inside this ark, and he said, I will write the law on your hearts. So let's take the Old Testament picture of the ark, the temple, the, the angels, and let's bring it New Testament. Now, the ark, the law is written on your heart. You don't need to read it on the stone. It's written on your heart. And the word backs it up, doesn't it? And the manna that was in there, God's provision. Who has seen God provide for you as a Christian? Does that mean that everything that you thought would be there when you thought it? Not necessarily, but every need was met. Who's ever had a need, not wants, true need that God didn't end up giving you? He's good, isn't he? He does it in ways we don't expect <laughs> sometimes. It's untraditional to our ways, but he provided. That was the manna, and that's in there because now we are dwelling with God. So now we have the law in our heart. We have his provision, and the staff was, his, was, the, was the protection, the place of protection. Remember the staff, Aaron's staff specifically, not Moses's. Aaron's staff was the staff that he threw down and devoured the two serpents, two Pharaoh's serpents. 
And then finally, it was actually a budded staff because they rebelled against God and to stop the rebellion, uh, God separated Aaron and showed that Aaron, that, that, his, that God's holy and that to be close to him, you have to be holy and, and, and everybody can't just come to God. You can, post Christ, I'm talking Old Testament, before Christ, you can't just come in and, and just get close to God and be the flesh in you. That's what Christ's blood does. So inside of you, in this secret place, I don't want to get too heady. I don't want to get into too much of a teaching. You guys can ask me and I'll explain more of this later. Just wanted to brush over it. But inside of you, inside of the secret place, there is in you God's ways. There is his provision. There is his protection. And then he puts his wings over you and covers you. And this place is now inside of you. It's not in a building. You can come to a church to be together as an assembly, as a congregation, and we can do that together and worship Him together and sharpen each other and encourage each other. But this place is now inside your heart. If you're coming to church to find God, you're coming to the wrong place. You have to go to God to find God. Hopefully you find Him at church too. Come on. (laughs) <laughs> because God's people are there. <laughs> but it's not the building. It's because there's people there that have welcomed him in. Come on. You know, Hell's Angels, they gather as a group too. They're a congregation as well. They have their meetings. They go out and do street evangelism. A little bit different style of evangelism. A little bit different beatings, they're the ones doing it. But nonetheless, the difference for us, the separation in us is that there's something, it's not just that we're together, it's that we're together with the same spirit inside of us. I don't want to get into too many tangents here. Psalms 27, verse 4, The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. For He will conceal me there. When troubles come, He will hide me in His sanctuary. You know, the world, is, we're coming to a time where you, know, you used to be able to hide. You wanted to run and hide in the physical war times or something, you could go hide in the hills. The technologies are changing. You can't even hide in the natural, can you? They got drones, heat-seeking this and heat-seeking that, cold-seeking. You can't hide. It's not a physical hiding place. There's no place to hide. There's a hiding place in Him there's a place inside of him. He will hide me in his sanctuary. So his sanctuary is inside your heart. He's going to hide you inside your heart. Is this too like, everybody getting this? Do you know that place in your heart I'm talking about? You may not know every detail, but do you know that place where you invited God into? That place inside you actually that checks you. I've talked about this before. Shouldn't be doing this, shouldn't be watching that. That place in you, that's the sanctuary of God and it's the holiness of God inside of you. The thing is, because we're still living in a physical body, we don't have to dwell there. 
You can invite them in, make it holy, and then go out. It's a choice, just as we have put his sanctuary in there, to then go into that place to retreat away. I'll get into this more over time so that I'm not just pounding you guys with too much at once and just but there was, there's a separation. Jesus showed us this. Even Jesus, the Son of God. Do you think that Jesus communed with God everywhere he went? That's not a trick question. I would say yes. I would say he was just direct connection <laughs> through the Spirit of God. And yet we find this. It says in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus often withdrew. Why did he have to do this? Why did he have to do this? The world around us, even Jesus, is so, it's just so, overwhelming, oppressive. You don't even know it, though. You're just going through life. You don't realize how much world is around you all the time. You ever hang around with people you have no choice? Let's just say they're coworkers or whatever, your job sites. And you actually, maybe you don't even, you don't say them, but you start thinking words they say. But it's contrary to your spirit but they start crossing in your mind. And you wonder how they even got there. Anybody, am I the only one? Everybody can agree. <laughs> There's so much world around us. There's an internal withdrawal from, there's an internal place, but the key to maintain this internal place, if you want to go out into the world and have a secret place, have a joy, have a peace, have a spirit that is untouched by this world, then there's some preparation that needs to happen. It says in Mark 1, verse 35, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. In Luke chapter 4, verse 42, early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowd searched for him everywhere, and when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. Luke 9, verse 10, when the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. The New King James calls this place a deserted place. Matthew 14, verse 13, as soon as Jesus heard the news that he heard about John the Baptist being beheaded, beheaded, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Luke 6, verse 12, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. Are we getting the pattern here? It says in verse 13, at daybreak, he called together all his disciples I saw this amazing thing. I just started looking and I just started meditating about how Jesus withdrew. There's a secret place inside of him. He just walked in that place. He walked in it just as Paul did. But then I saw how did he do that? And I found this trend 
that Jesus would withdraw. He'd get completely away. He'd go to that deserted place. There's a hidden place inside you, and then there's a place where you physically, even though it's not the physical, the physical is so overwhelming. It's so oppressive. There's so much influence that sometimes, and I think Christians don't do this enough. Let's just agree. We don't withdraw and unplug. Come on, today, unplug. That really makes sense. Because you don't even need a plug to be plugged in anymore. (laughs) You got to turn it off. If we don't withdraw, why would we expect the secret place inside of our heart to be ruling us in a world that is 95%, I don't know what the percentage is, but it certainly feels like 95% of the world opposes you as the believer. At least, in, you know what, maybe just here in the Hudson Valley, but it feels like 95% of those around me do not want God and don't care about Him. Let alone if they mention God, it's not Christ. Who knows what God it is today? So in that world, Jesus, he found that there was this thing inside of him, but he maintained it with complete and total separation. Come on, Christian. You need to separate from the influences of this world. Friends and family. I mean, Jesus was with the people who's doing good things, and even he pulled away. And even from his own disciples, he would bring them, separate with them, and then even go a little bit further himself. But I saw this amazing thing. It says, at daybreak, he called his disciples together. That was in verse 13. Luke 6, verse 13. He had just prayed to the Lord all night. Now, verse 17. It says, when they came down from the mountain, come on, everybody say out loud. When they came down from the mountain. So what's that mean? Sometimes we need to withdraw to the mountain. The mountain is that isolated place, that deserted place, that secret place. And you know where that is. That might be in your own home. You might have to drive your car and go sit by the river. I don't know what you need to do to get there, but you need to unplug. You need to separate. You need to spend time with God. You cannot live in this world. You cannot do what God's called you to do. You are fooling yourself and the devil is deceiving you and lying to you to make you think you can live without spending time with him. I love that we can just talk to him all day, every day. And I'm sure that Jesus did. This is Jesus, the son of God. And yet he withdrew. But check this out. He says that he came down from the mountain the disciples stood with Jesus on a large level area, surrounded by many of his followers in the crowds, came right down to the crowd. Sometimes, who spent time with God, you come right out, and bam, you're there. <laughs> well, that's good. You should be thankful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Because I don't know how I would do this without you. And it says there were people from all over Judea and Jerusalem, from as far as the north as the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. And it says... Verse 18, they had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases and troubled. And those troubled with, by evil spirits were healed and everyone tried to touch him because healing power went out from him and he healed everyone. And then actually in, in Luke 6, right after this, then he preaches the Beatitudes. Now he's Jesus, the son of God. But where do you think that came from? I know it's hard whenever we talk about Jesus because he's God. It's hard to understand him as a man. 
But he had to be a man too in order for it to be fair. For his blood to represent your blood, he's also a man. If he's just God, then he wouldn't have any impulse to sin. But in order for him to have been resistant to sin, that means that something inside of him would want to. As crazy as that is for our minds to get. Because we picture Jesus as God, but he is God, but he was a man as well. And to maintain the God, the spirit inside of him, he withdrew and got into that God place. Come on, did you know that there is a God place, a separated place, and it comes out with you? If you withdraw with him, did you know that then that secret place goes with you? That secret place, there is a heart inside of you, and the Bible says that it's a liar. I'm paraphrasing. You know the scriptures. It's a liar. It's exceedingly deceitful. You got to tell that place in his presence only. You can't do it in your mind. You spend time with him, and we can get into this forever, which we don't have time for. The word of God, what's it do? Hebrews 4.12, go look it up. You know the scripture. It divides, it cuts. We withdraw from the Lord. We get into his word. We get into his presence and it starts separating. Thoughts and intentions of the heart. And if you don't get into that place, then when you come back out and the crowd's standing there and you say, God. Now, who's ever been not prepared, but God still showed up anyway? Because he's God, and he loves the people. It's not because you did something, you go, oh, see? See? Didn't matter anyway. No. It's because God will deal with you. Who's gotten spanked by God after that? I said, okay. Awesome. Now, let's, now I got to talk to you. I love them so much that I did it anyway, but don't think it had anything to do with you. And even when you spend time with me, it still doesn't have anything to do with you. But at least you are, maybe then you were more aware of it. He said, right after they came down from the mountain, the Beatitudes, healing, life started flowing out of Christ. And you could, I could go on. Luke 22, we see in a, a similar account. They go to pray. He's right before Gethsemane. Jesus is still praying right to the very end. Jesus is praying. And I was also meditating that prayer is not telling God what you want, although sometimes you can tell him what you want, but it's many times getting his will Jesus in the garden did not pray and get what he wanted. He prayed and asked for God to, to have this cup passed from him. God chose that the cross was still his path and was there with him. But Jesus, through that prayer, got God's will, didn't he? He stood up. I love how the Passion of the Christ, the movie, captures it. If you've seen the movie, the way that the serpent is creeping in there as he's praying. Because that was just, that was his flesh dying before even the cross. Him saying, Lord, is there another way? I don't want to suffer, <laughs> nor would we. 
especially with the weight of the sin's world upon his shoulders, we can't even imagine. But the movie pictures it with the serpent creeping in, with this, this I want to give up, I want to quit. And then I love what he does. He stands up, he doesn't even look at the serpent, and he just stomps on the head. Comes out of that garden. Because he had settled, and get, he had got God's will, he came out of that mountain, and even though they chained him up from that moment on, and he was not a free man again by choice, he had the will of the Lord. He had found a place. He had gotten into the secret place. He had withdrawn and found a strength, found a place in God that he wants you to find. There is a place in God that he wants you to find. Did you know that? There's a place in God that he's asking you to withdraw away from this world into his presence. And when you get it, when you get his presence in that place, it goes out with you. Again, like I said, we could go on with this forever. I have an enormous amount here. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for speaking to us today. I want to read one last thing. I'm going to go this route, which means I'm going to move fast, but I will be a couple extra minutes. If you need to leave, go. I'm going to be really fast. You know, the Bible says, we read about the ark. I just, uh, rather, I spoke about the ark quickly. I didn't have time to read it. Go look that up as well about the amazingness of his temple and the ark. But you know that there was a physical ark as well. It's in Genesis chapter 6. Many of us know of that ark. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, and I'm just going to pick a few verses here. It says that the Lord, he observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. Did you know that the Lord is still doing that today? Did you know that the Bible says, the Bible says in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 38, in those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered the boat. Life will go on until he returns. It says, people didn't realize, but we do, what was going to happen. But it was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. In those days before the flood, life was just going on as, as, as usual. But in Genesis 6, God is still doing this, verse 5. He's observing. He sees it. He's not delaying. The only reason that time is going on is because of His mercy and His grace so that more will be saved. How are they saved? Through the gospel message. How's the gospel message spread? How will they know unless someone tells them? This time that he, we shouldn't just be waiting and watching, although there is a hope in there. That's what the word tells us, and that's a part of us, but that's not all that it is, just hoping and waiting for the end. Getting excited when we see apocalypse signs. Come on, Christians, you sick freaks. <laughs> I mean, there's an excitement because we know that Christ is coming and that's okay, but there's also a message, God's, and, and, but time is, is ticking and there's a place because 
just as it will be, just as it was. I'm about to read these verses really, really quickly here. This is what it will be like right now. He said before his coming, right here. He's referring back to these verses. He said that God saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them. He, he was sorry he made man to begin with, and he put them on the earth. He was sorry that he made them and put them on the earth, and it broke his heart. Verse 8, but Noah, come on, I want you to say this out loud, but I have found favor with the Lord. But Noah found favor with the Lord. And this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Do you see where I'm pointing? Does this making a little sense? There was a, there was a people that just lived their lives. And Jesus said it will be the same way. So in this time that we're in, he's about to come. There are people that are just living and doing and all they're thinking about is themselves and their heart is consistently evil. But then there are people who have found favor with God because they walk in close fellowship with him. Verse 13, so God said to Noah, I have declared to destroy all living creatures which will come again. It will not be a flood, but it will be fire. It will be earthquakes. There will be plagues. There will be things that will come. This is our Bible. It's the book of Revelation, the least read Bible, the least read, <laughs> least read book of the Bible. Say that 10 times fast. So God said to Noah, I'm going to wipe them out. Verse 13. Verse 14, build a large boat, build an ark. Build an ark from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out, and then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Verse 17, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood. The flood is already here. There's a flood of darkness, a flood of wickedness, a flood of sin. It's already here. Post-Christ, the flood came. When Jesus Boom, when he struck, when that cross hit that, when his death and it went down into the ground and that earthquake hit the ground and the, and the veil tore open the world and instantly at that moment, the flood was already darkness. His message was now released. His glory was released and darkness that when Satan realized what had actually happened, Bible says that he didn't know what was happening, otherwise he wouldn't have done it. And when he realized, then he started opposing violently God's church until the very end. Until the very end, that's what he will do. That's what the book of Revelation says. He's going to oppose the church violently until the very end. But Christ will call us just as he called Paul. And he's called us to get inside of a place. He said, get inside the ark. Look, I'm about to destroy everything and everything outside there will die. But I will confirm my covenant with you. That's you, the church. And enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. In verse 21, and be, make, be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals that God instructed him to take with him. And Noah did exactly as God had commanded him. There is a way. There's only one way to survive. There's only one way. We cannot do this on our own. There's a flood that is upon us. There is darkness. There is death. Everything around you will cease. Everything around you will die. Everything is going away. And there's only one way to survive, and that's to get into the ark. 
get into that place with God and to do it exactly as he's called you. And we don't need to wonder what that is. He gave us the blueprint. It's called the word of God. And if we go to it, it's very clear on exactly how to live and exactly how to conduct ourselves and exactly how to, to live with our families and relationships and so on. It's there. It's all clear. But he said in Genesis 7, verse 1, when everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, go into the boat with all your family, for among all the people of the earth, I can see that you alone are righteous. And we are only righteous through Christ, right? So we are righteous through Christ. And when everything was ready, verse 5, Noah did, says it again, everything as the Lord had commanded him. Why? Because inside the ark is the law written on your heart. There is a way. There's God's way. It's inside. You get in that place. There's a place in God. And you're going to do what he says by choice. But when you do, it says that Genesis 7, it says, verse 16, a male and female of each kind of animal entered, right? He brought the animals with him. You know the story. Go watch the movies. And just as God had commanded Noah, then the Lord closed the door behind them. You willingly go in, but God covers. The secret place is the covering. No one is forced to get into his covering. No one is forced to get into that secret place. But if you do not, death is certain. You will be swept away by the things of this world. If not by, by persecution or by a physical death of of things from the enemy by the distractions of this life. A flood will wash you away, but when we get inside, and verse 17 is the last verse, let's stand to our feet. It says, for 40 days, the floodwaters grew deeper, covering the ground and lifting the boat high above the earth. As the waters rose higher, let's read this out loud as a church. As the waters rose higher and higher above the ground, what's this say? The floated safely on the surface. I saw this and I almost fell out of my chair. The very thing that was sent to destroy, the thing that the distractions, the floods of if you can get into the place of God, as this, and this is what Paul did, he rose above it. It actually caused him. The physical realm was water. But there was a spiritual thing inside that was, it took him and rose him and put him. The very thing that was destroying actually was being used to float you to safety. But you have to get inside. We have to get in Christ now. We have to get in it, and we got to withdraw. We got to unplug. You got to. You know in yourself what that means. But you got to pull out of the things of this world and the things of your mind and the distractions and all those things. You got to get out of that now and get into His ark. Because time is short. Time is short in the scheme of time, and time is short in all of us. Our t clocks are ticking. We need to get into Him now. Before the floodwaters come, because once they come, it says that God sealed it up and that was it. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much. Lord, for your word. I thank you, Lord. You gave us the blueprint. Lord, we, just as Noah, can do what he did. 
Your word says that he did exactly as you commanded him, and that's what we're going to do as your church. And you gave us the instructions. You gave them line upon line, precept upon precept. You penned them out for us. You preserved it against time itself, Lord. And we know exactly what we need to do as believers. And we're calling upon you. We're pushing aside ourselves and our flesh and all of us, Lord. And we're getting into that place in you, that secret place, withdrawing, turning aside, I thank you, Lord, that we're going to be driven right above the situations of this life. We may be aware of its rocking and its pushing and its pulling, but Lord, we are not going to be touched. We're going to stay in that place of safety. And I thank you, Lord, right to the end, right to the end, as your word says, he endures to the end will be saved. I thank you, Lord, that we will as your church in Jesus name. Amen.